This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Good to see you. Watching my live stream, glad you're with us today. Ooh, God's been good already, huh? I believe God did something in you, and so we release that healing on you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high? Our ushers, we give you the Word of God. Once you get the Bible, go with me to Proverbs chapter 20. It's where we'll begin today, Proverbs 20. Again, I believe God's still the healer. He said there in Hebrews, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever God. So a couple verses real quick. Psalm 103.3, the Lord said, My name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He said in Isaiah 53.5, that by the stripes of Jesus, and back in the New Testament, Matthew 8.17, and then again, 1 Peter 2.24, those are all scriptures on healing that you need to learn to stand on. Begin to believe God for those, and you watch what God will do in your life. Amen? Well, we are still on our series, The Fear of the Lord. Uh, The fear of the Lord, it's not to be afraid of God. That's not what that's about. The fear of God is where I come to a place of not only worship, but I reverence him. I stand in awe of him. So we're going to hit this in a little different area again today. It's going to take me a little bit to get there to where it really talks about the fear of God, but we'll get there. So we go through this life, and at times the Bible uses a word called stronghold. And the best definition I can give you of a stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you. Maybe alcohol, maybe drugs, maybe sin in general. But there's another area I want to talk about today that I think a lot of times we overlook this stronghold, and it's with the words of our mouth. And so I'm going to let the scripture teach us here today, but part of this is I got to get this on the inside. Let, let, let God reveal to you things in your heart right now that may be tied with a stronghold in this area. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25. It is a snare, or it is a trap for a man, for a woman, for a human being, to devote to rashly something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. So if I look at what he's telling me here, he says it's a snare or a trap for me to devote rashly to a vow. Now, many times when we think of a vow, immediately we jump to a wedding vow. But what do you do with a wedding vow? It's something that comes out of my mouth that forms a covenant. So it's very important. But he says for a man to devote rashly something as holy. Now, I don't know if you've ever viewed your words or a vow as holy, but the Bible just did. And if God's talking about how holy it is, man, I I better get attention to this and afterward to reconsider his vows. And so he's talking about here, you can be trapped by the words out of your mouth. And and my, my words have the ability to cause ruin or even to destroy. And so what happens, it automatically moves us out of this unthinking habit where we speak before we think. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at a vow this way, but I believe it's very important that we see this this morning because, again, it has the ability to destroy us. It has the ability 
to shape the course of my life. Look with me into the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 30. And the scripture here gives us great more insight on this. That when I make a vow rashly, it's like I commit or I dedicate myself to some form of action. So uh, Numbers chapter 30, verse 1. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Not suggested, not highly recommended, but he says, this is something that the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord, if he makes a vow to the Lord, if he says to the Lord, I'm going to do this, this, and this, or he swears by an oath, and, and that oath or that vow has the ability to bind himself by some agreement or some pledge, or it actually becomes an obligation. Now listen to what it goes on to say here. It's a binding agreement. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So you shall fulfill the very things that proceed out of your mouth. The, the message translation says you will do exactly what you said. Now, when I read these things about a vow, I make vows, and I believe it goes toward three different types of people. I make this binding agreement about my life, about other people's lives, and about God. Every one of us have those abilities to do those things. And so when I use these vows that's used in a negative way, it becomes a hidden judgment that is formed against myself. Now, almost every one of these hidden judgments that I make about myself will be tied to these words. I'll never. I'll never. And many times it's associated with hurt or pain that someone's done toward you. Now I want to highlight this. It was real. And those things that happened to you, they did take place. And I'm not telling you we just blow them off and act like it didn't happen. But what begins to happen is I'll say stuff like this because the hurt in my life. I'll never trust another man again. I'll never get in a position where I can be hurt again. Now, I've said that in my life. It's been a number of years back. Even as a pastor, I got hurt. And I said out of my mouth, I'll, I'll never allow people to get close to me again to hurt me. So you know what I did? I kept people at a distance. And so that vow of I'll never allow anybody to hurt me, actually it became like an invisible wall around me. And people would look and think, what, what's wrong with me that he won't allow me to get close to him? It wasn't anything to do with other people. It was the me. And so I think back about how many times we use these things. I'll never. 
I'll never be smart. Maybe at a young age, someone looked at you and said, you're stupid. So we get this thought, I'll never be smart. I'll never have a good marriage. I'll never be a good father or a good mother. So what happens is those inward judgments that we place against ourselves, they literally have the ability to sabotage our future. So I have a guy in my office recently, and he makes the comment, I've heard your testimony and I've heard your story, how God set you free from alcohol. And I said, he did. And he said, I'll never be free from alcohol. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. And he said, what God did for you, he won't do for me. And I said, yeah, yeah, he will. And I could tell he began to believe a lie. I'll never be free from alcohol. I'll never be free from drugs. And so before long, those vows that are so powerful, they, they silently start steering my life, and it's away from God, and it's my own agenda. Now, this may define you right now in your life. And what ultimately happens is it starts out possibly as a small hill of inferiority, but it becomes a mountain. And I believe the enemy uses those vows and those thoughts of inferiority to disrupt my life and to disrupt your destiny. And so those vows will become so strong that that's the direction I go. Look with me into the New Testament into Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So we'll hit a few more of these here. And again, I'm going to keep highlighting things. And I, I ask you to open the filing cabinet of your heart to God. And if there's areas in your life that you've marked your life with, I'll never, God's going to help you today. And we go to Matthew 5, and if you've ever studied the Bible, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 are all called the Sermon on the Mount. If you look real closely... Matthew 5, 6, and 7, red-letter words, which means Jesus' words over and over again. Some of Jesus' incredible teachings. We pick up in Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, of ancient times, counsel that's been embedded deeply in our traditions. And so literally what he's saying, these things have been around a long, 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 long time. You shall not swear falsely. Now, when I read that right here, I look at that and I think, so I can swear falsely? Yeah. You shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. You shall perform your vows to the Lord. So when you read this right here, he lets us know real quick, I've made some type of or form of an oath or a vow before the Lord. And he said, when you do those things, you better keep it. I'm going to Deuteronomy where I'm going. This is cross-reference into Deuteronomy 23, 23. Listen to this. Now, this is a good verse to mark down. 
that which has gone from your lips, that which is spoken from your lips, whether it's a vow, an oath, or you falsely swore, you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. So when I begin to look at this, how can we swear falsely to God? Well, I believe how we do that is we begin to bargain with God. We begin to try to make a deal with God. And usually it's associated with trouble. And we'll say this, Father God, if you get me out of this situation, I swear I'll follow you the rest of my life. Anybody else ever done that? Father God, if you, if you bail me out of this situation, I'll serve you forever. And so literally what we begin to do with these vows, we try to bargain with God, and we, we use this religious lace as like we're, we're, we're tricking God, we're baiting God. But it's interesting here, he said, you don't want to do those things. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. You shall not swear by your head, because you can't even make one hair white or black. I wish I could. I'd choose either one right now. The older you get, you know what your prayer begins? Lord, it doesn't matter what color it is. Just don't let it turn loose. Just hang in there. You know, the only reason people carry combs is you got to have comb, uh, hair to have a comb. That's a faith comb right there. That's way off where I was supposed to be, but we'll keep talking. Nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, a simple yes, yes, and let your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So was he telling us here the devil tries to set us up? And so this becomes a form of worship. It becomes my form of obedience. And so with the vows that come up in my mouth, they, they set a course. And this becomes a powerful influence. And I said, this becomes a, a form of our worship. And so it becomes my highest level of commitment. That those vows that I say, those words that I say, man, it's like, that's how I'm going to live. That's, that's what I'm going to do right here. And so these, these vows are a self-oriented commitment. And they have the ability to hinder us. They have ability to tie us to our past. And so they'll literally sabotage you. And so when we make the statement, I will never, it's always tied to a relationship, it's tied to money, or it's tied to pain. And when it's tied to a relationship, it is usually built around being judgmental, Unforgiveness. 
I have this personal revenge or I have a vendetta against somebody. In other words, I'm going to get even. And when it comes to money, we'll say, I'll never be poor. I'll never. And when it comes to past hurts, again, I'll never let people hurt me. I remember years ago when we would go to the orphanage down in, in Warris, my, my wife would walk in there, and I mean these kids, these young girls, there was a crop of teenage girls, they, they would always just flock to her. And for about two years when I would stroll in there, they would never get close to me. They would just stand at a distance and look at me. And you know what I realized took place? They had pain in their heart. And whether they said this or not, I don't know. But I believe they probably said, I'll never allow another man to get close to me. And when you would hear their stories, they'd been abused by men, every which way. Again, I don't deny any of that happened. So I have a woman begin to tell me that she grew up without her daddy. And she said, I became very judgmental toward him. And she said out of her mouth, I'll never marry a man that was like my daddy. A vow. That began to chart or direct the course of her life. And she said to me, it's now messing with my marriage. And she said, I never really fully understood what was going on until I began to hear the power of a vow, to hear the power of a stronghold that's associated with that. And she said, the very unforgiveness and judgmental and critical heart I had and my words against my father were now dictating the course of my own marriage. And you know what I said to her? I'm not denying your daddy was ugly to you. I'm not denying that he was wrong uh, for how he did you. But you know what? I'm going to tell you a little secret. You're going to have to obey Matthew 5, 44. What's that say, Pastor? The Lord Jesus said, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And this guy right here would say, I hated that verse. I would look at that verse and I would say, you got to be kidding. I've got to bless those who curse me. Pray for those who spitefully use me and persecute me. And Jesus says, yes, you do that not for their good. You do that for your good. And so I can tell you in my life, when I've had these vows that directed my course and they weren't good courses, I would have to look at Matthew 5, and I can be sincerely transparent here that the first times I would pray that, I hated it. I would mumble. I bless those who curse me. It took everything I had to say that. I would say to God, I don't mean it. And I 
I pray for those who've persecuted me and used me. But the more you stay with the Word of God, the more the Word of God begins to take root. And you know what? When you start praying Matthew 5, you may hate it too. But the more I do it, the more I'm doing what God told me to do. And the more I do what God tells me to do, it breaks that stronghold. I don't want to do it. Interesting his words here. So what happens with these inner vows? I take control of my life. And instead of allowing God to have control, I take life into my own hands. And I begin to oppose and I resist the will of God in my life. And so these inner vows here, they direct my life instead of God. And again, it's silently steering me whether I realize that or not. Well, where does this tie into the fear of God? I'm glad you asked. Go with me to Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So this is how this looks. Just different stories here. Some of you have probably heard this numerous times. But years ago, there was a woman in the church and she was diagnosed with cancer in the stomach. That cancer grew and it was the size of a volleyball in her stomach. She was admitted to covenant. She called one day and said, Pastor, would you please come up to the hospital and pray for me? I said, I'd be honored to. So the day comes when I'm supposed to go pray. So I come right in here and I begin to pray. I said, Lord, anoint me. Anoint me to pray for her in the name of Jesus, just like we did earlier. So I leave here. I'm on my way to covenant, right, right here on, on Memphis. I, I, I can almost take the exact course that I went. And I get going, and in the still, small voice of God, I hear this, don't pray for her. And I thought, I couldn't have heard that, right? The closer I get, don't pray for her. I pull into the parking garage. I'm going over the walkover they used to have, and I hear, don't pray for her. I'm on my way through the lobby. I get to the far end. I'm going to the east tower to the sixth floor. And I hear, don't pray for her. I get off the elevator and I hear, don't pray for her. I knock on the door and I go in and she said, Pastor, I'm so glad you're here to pray for me. Uh-oh. What do we do? Do we do a, 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 just a courtesy prayer? I looked at her and said, the Lord told me not to pray for you. That he's dealt with your heart for years and you won't obey. And I'm telling you, it looked like she came up out of that bed and she looked at me and said, I'll never forgive him for what he did. 
again. Her form of worship was that vow. Her form of worship overrode what God wanted to do in her life. And when she said that, I backed up and I looked at her and I said, I wash my hands of this. I said, I will not pray for you until you do what God's told you. And she said, I'll never. The power of a vow. I don't deny, guys, that she was hurt. I don't deny that. But when I make those vows on the inside, it begins to take root on the inside of me, and it begins to steer my life away from God. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. Watch your step. And draw near to hear rather than give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. Now, one translation says, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. And it's interesting, he says, rather to give the sacrifice of a fool, for they do not know they do evil. So here's the question that goes off of that. What was the sacrifice of fools? Verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth. Sounds kind of like Proverbs 20, 25, where we started at. Do not be rash or have an impulsive mouth. So he says right here, the offering or the sacrifice of a fool is he shoots from the mouth before he thinks. Does that describe me? Have any of you ever spoken before you thought? Yes. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, he's in charge, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Hmm. Let your words be few. James 1.19 be swift to hear and slow to speak. But usually we get that backwards. We're swift to speak and slow to hear. Aren't you glad God created you with two ears, not two mouths? <laughs> Man, I'd be armed and dangerous with two mouths. That's a... Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of my tongue. This is what this is talking about. So is the Lord telling us right here, you, you better measure your words? Maybe, maybe, maybe you ought to be like a surgeon with your words and be very precise. Verse 3. For a dream comes through much activity or a dream comes through much concern. And a fool's voice is known by his many words. 
So if a fool is known by his many words, then the wise are known by few words. I hate to do this to you, but which one are you? Which one am I? Verse 4, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. So what would a fool be? A fool would be one that says, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, but I never do it. I promise, I promise, I promise, God. Pay what you vowed. So when I read that right there to pay what you vowed, you know what that shows me? This is a big deal to God. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. So I voluntarily speak it. But once I speak it, it goes into motion. Ooh, get ready for a huge truth here, verse 6. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. This, this shows me right here the power of your mouth. Nor say before the messenger or the angel of God that it was an error. So you know what we say? It was an error. I, I didn't mean it. I was just kidding. But once it goes out of your mouth, you can't have it back. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the works of your hands? Woo! The power of words. Many of you remember this little statement. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The dude who said that, he was extremely disillusional. He was a messed up soul. When I read this, the words out of my mouth are extremely powerful. Genesis 1, you get into where God created the law of sowing and reaping. You go to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 6, 7, he said, don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. God will not be mocked. God will not be made a fool of whatever. Say whatever. Say it. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Even... With my words. Now you may ask, where does the fear of God start in all this? Well, we're getting ready to get there. Verse 7. For in the multitudes of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. What did vanity mean? Useless, meaningless. And he said... In the multitude of dreams and words, it's vanity, it's useless. So I go back and I begin to think of all these things that he's talking about here. And over the years, I've, I've been blessed to do a lot of wedding 
wedded ceremonies between men and women. Been great ones. And it's interesting with a wedding ceremony because everybody views things a little differently. Some people, it's about the flowers. Some people, it's about the songs. Some people, they love the cake. Some people, it's about the ring barrier, the little flower girl, the grooms, the brides, all that. But to me, the most significant thing of all of it is our wedding vows. Because those wedding vows, they form our spiritual contract with each other and before God and man. So there's a big deal. And when I lead people through their, their vows or they do them themselves, it's always amazing to me how sincere and heartfelt some of them are. I mean, they can say one word and, and they get caught. And before long, one of them may start crying. And I'm like, no, 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 don't cry, don't cry. Why? Because I start crying. And it's rugged when you do, a, do a, a wedding and you're crying and trying to get your composure. And You know, uh, Mia Sauceda was in our first service, her and Dylan Mathis, and I did their wedding. And Mia can sing. If you can't sing, don't do this, okay? It'll be more like a funeral than a wedding. Don't sing. There's some of you in there need to heed that, okay? Don't sing. Just don't do it. I'm talking to myself, okay? Don't, do it. don't sing, Pastor. Don't do it. She begins to sing some of the vows to him. And I mean, I'm standing there going, oh my goodness. Her daddy's on the front row, and he sails out on me. He starts crying. And I'm like, and Dylan starts crying, and then I start crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, where's this going to end up at? But the vows are so sincere, they're real. They become a part of my life. And that's one of the great things at the marriage retreat every year. We renew our vows and say, it's a, a fresh commitment. But what would happen when we give our vows, and after a day, after a week, after a year, we look and say, I was just kidding. I didn't mean it. I had my fingers crossed the whole time. See, we realize how, how heartbreaking that would be. But yet, we have these vows to the Lord Jesus. And we say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the Christ, your Messiah. I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And then after a week, after a month, we don't say, I didn't mean it. But the way we live in our lifestyle would sure say that. What's the result of my life or my lifestyle that says I don't mean it? What does that mean? Ooh, watch this right here at the end of verse 7. But fear God. But reverentially fear God. That if I would actually stand in awe of God, if I would look and say, you're the creator. I'm so blessed. And this part right here where it says fear God, it takes us where we were last week to uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. And he said, this is the conclusion. What was the conclusion? Fear God. And obey his commands. 
And I go back to Numbers chapter 30. And what did he say? This was the commandment of God. When you start making vows, you better get ready. So what do we do here today? If I've made vows that have become my act of worship. See, and what I mean by that, they, they get in the soul of me where I become so committed to that vow. I'll never marry anyone like him again. I'll never go to church again. What has to happen? We must renounce those vows. And how do we renounce them? We go before Father God and we repent. And we say, Father God, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry for the things I've said. I'm sorry. And and so here in the first service, I asked him, I said, open the filing cabinet of your heart. Open it up. And say, God, reveal to me these areas of my life that that have gone just from words, but they've become a stronghold in my life where they're dominating me. Why don't you stand up here with me? So I said, Lord, put in my heart of fear of you, Lord. I want to reverentially fear you like never before. I want to obey you. I want to live for you today. And so if I don't renounce these, my loyalties move away from God to these self-governing agendas where I place my vows that I've set on my higher than I place God. And the devil uses these like an obligation to say, I'm going to make sure those are fulfilled in your life. Why don't you bow your head here with me? Father God, we love you right now. Lord, I pray that you stir within every one of us in here. That if there's areas in our life that we've said, I'll never. And that's aimed toward you, Father God. Woo, I repent. And if it's aimed toward another person, negative or sarcastic, I repent. Father God, even if it's aimed toward my own life, if it's aimed toward me, Father God, that that mountain of inferiority that I've created toward myself, you know the Lord said this, here's the great commandment. We're to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all thy soul, with all our might. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love our neighbors, ourself. If you can't love yourself in, in a godly way, then you can't love your neighbor because you can't give away what you don't have. And many people would say, I, I can't do that. I, I, I'll never be a man of God. I'll never be a woman of God. And so what happens in those lives? We begin to believe that lie. And that stronghold gets us by the neck And that's what directs us. I'm going to ask God to breathe on you right here. The Lord said in Psalm 139, 
I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. You know what that means? God didn't make any junk. You're not a, at the Yankee. That's the junkyard for all you gringos. God doesn't make junk. God wants to touch our heart today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Come on. You can come on. Father God, right now, there's ones in here. The Lord have been allowing vows to silently steer them away from their destiny. Their purposes. Lord, I ask that you would deal with them. And today, Father God, you would breathe as renouncing and, and repentance goes forward, Father God, to get our hearts right. To change us from the inside out. And so as our team gets ready to, to lead us into these songs here, I, I worship you to, to come. I, I welcome you. I don't worship you. I welcome you to come down and just get here before God and say, Father God, I, I open the filing cabinet of my heart to you today. And Lord, I repent. And when we begin to walk in this, you watch what's going to take place. Go ahead, guys. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.